Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us over on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you all for your support of the program. You can support us either on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net, or you can also become one of our Patreon uh, supporters and support the show with a small monthly donation from uh, between 2 and $30 at patreon.greatdetectives.net. But now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date, November the 10th of 1950, and this one is The Slasher. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with a flash of a knife and a woman's scream and ended up with a new kind of love and a woman's tears. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. You ever notice how when the sun goes down, the chemistry of the whole earth starts a new reaction? The flowers close with the shop doors, sunshine leaves town with the buses, and the birds settle down like the dust covers on the department store counters. At night, perfume replaces the flowers, neon takes up the task of the sun, and the birds that take flight are the hearts of people looking for love and the good tomorrow. Someone said the night is a mantle that covers the weary in a cave of excitement for the adventuresome. He forgot to add that the night is also a mask for the evil. I was out making my rounds, covering my beat for a story. I talked with a boot black here, a hat check girl there, a head waiter or two, assorted cabbies, and came up with nothing but a few shreds of scandal that were better left unreported. When I turned onto Harding Street, there was a story for me, ready-made. But it was a story I was sorry I had to report. A woman was lying on the sidewalk with a frightened look in her eyes. The shoulder of her dress was ripped open and there was a red stain growing on her side. I walked up to the edge of the crowd that seemed to pour out of nowhere and I pushed my way through. I'm from the press, Charlie. Oh, hello, Randy. Didn't even look at your face. What happened, Charlie? Uh, said she was waiting for a taxi. There were three or four people he with her. Cut Before me with she knew. A knife. He just yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Try to lie quietly, will you, lady? It'll be better. Now you know. The fourteenth case like this in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, I know all about him. They call him the slasher. Like a good newspaper man should, I got the names, the places, the what, why, and how, and then I phoned them in. Whoever did it moved into the darkness so fast nobody could get a good look at him. And the man the whole police force had tried to find for three weeks had come and gone like a vampire phantom. And another woman, they were always women, lay on the ground wounded. 
The whole thing disgusted me, and after the police had cleared things up, I went into Mike Creshaw's place for something cold to take the hot, dry taste out of my mouth. Yeah, wouldn't that curdle your hair? Yeah. Right on this very street. I'd like to get my hands on that screwball. Just one hand. I'd fix him so as he wouldn't be able to cut paper dolls. I hope they catch him soon. Why don't you newspaper men do something? You got the power in this town. Well, nobody knows what he looks like, where he comes from, or where he goes. What would you do if you were a newspaper reporter? Well, now that you mention it, I don't know. But sometime, somewhere, they're going to catch him. And things are going very bad with this gent. Very bad indeed. Yeah. Let me put a head on it. Thank you. Mike, tell me. Where'd you get those new murals on the walls? <laughs> All right, huh? Yeah. We had them done just last week. The place looks like a magazine cover, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at those legs. Uh. <laughs> Who did them? Oh, some joker named uh, uh, Rick... Uh, uh, Rick Bennett. Works over at the Hofbrau now. I got him the job. Me. That's pretty good-looking art for a bar. Hey, you owed us a tab. We let him pay it off that way. What's the matter with the face of that girl, the one on the right? Hey, you know, I've been wondering about that myself. I think he must have made a mistake somewhere. What do you think? Maybe he did make a mistake. Yeah, but look at that shape. Rick Bennett at the Hofbrau, huh? That's the guy. Does sketching. Thank you, Mike. I'll see you later. I didn't tell Mike what I was really thinking because it sounded too far-fetched to be true. But that mistake on her face looked to me like a scar. Why would a guy paint a scar on a beautiful woman's face? I dropped into the Hofbrau to get a look at this Rick Bennett. He was sitting in a corner booth with a pad of sketching paper, some charcoal, and some pastels. None of them were busy. I walked over. Uh, how much does a sketch cost? One buck. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a deal. Here's your buck. Caricature or serious? Oh, serious. I'm going to give this to my girl. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Turn your head, will you? A little more. Okay. You been around here long? Three weeks. Mm-hmm. Been here all night? Just came in ten minutes ago. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm an orphan. I got three teeth missing. I was a shot put champion in high school, and my favorite food is liver and onions. Anything else? No, not right now. He finished the picture in a few minutes. Without a word, he handed it to me. It was a perfect and talented reproduction, except for one thing. Down the left side of my face was a long, jagged scar. Ah, uh, this, uh... It's my trademark. Want your buck back? No, not especially. This is the strangest trademark I ever heard of. And the reporter hears of a lot of strange things. What? Hey, uh... You a newspaper man? Oh. Yeah, give me the sketch. Yeah. There. It's clean. No scar. And here's your dollar back. This one's free. Oh, thank you. I get this preferential treatment just because I'm a reporter? That's right. If I'm going to ask a favor of somebody, I have to use better manners. If you don't mind, I thought maybe you could help me. What's your problem? I came here looking for a girl. Yeah. Ever seen her? Mm, no. Her name is Selma Vasek. She's beautiful. Too beautiful for her own good. She sings and dances a little. Well, I don't dance. Well, maybe you, you've been in a nightclub somewhere and she danced by. Can't seem to place her. It's the most important thing in the world that I find this girl. Being a reporter, you get around. You should know a lot of people. 
I do, but I'm afraid she isn't one of them. Selma's somewhere in Chicago. I know it. I'm not leaving this town until I find her. All right, calm down, calm down. Why do you want to find her? You ever hear a love, you know, boy meets girl? We had a little quarrel. Boy loses girl. She left. But I want to see her and make it all up to her. Got an extra copy of her picture? I got hundreds of them. I can give them to you in watercolors and oils and tempera and pastels and mud, plaster, or blood. And if I happen to see her? You tell her Rick Bennett, the love of her life is looking for him. And Rick Bennett hasn't forgotten and he's got something for her. There was something about his recent appearance in town and his morbid interest in scarred flesh that made me creep a little along the spine. It seemed to me that for her own good, I might be wise to look up the girl whose name on the picture read Selma Vasek. But where do you start in a city of five million with just a picture and a suspicion? And I remembered Bennett had said Selma Vasek was a dancer. I knew nightclub entertainers got jobs through agents, so I began looking up every agent I could find at that hour. On my twelfth one, little Al O'Brien, I got a nibble. And now it seems to me, Randy, if you dyed this hair brunette and plucked those eyebrows a little and starved this girl for a few weeks, she'd be a dead ringer for a dame in the floor show at the Blue Marlin. Are you sure? Of course, you'd have to change the name, too. The dame at the Blue Marlin is called Honey Cane. The Blue Marlin was five minutes from Little Al's by cab, and I journeyed over. It was a drab joint needing paint and a new bee in the sign and better liquor. I cased the chorus once, spotted Honey Cane, and went in the stage door. I caught her just coming off the floor. All right, one side, Buster. Selma. My name is Honey Kane. Didn't it used to be Selma Vasek? Go on, stop bothering me before I call some of the boys. All right, maybe I made a mistake, honey, but if you are Selma Vasek, I have a message from Rick Bennett. What connection do you have with Rick Bennett? Well, not much. All right, come on, here, in the prop room. I want to talk. All right. So I'm Selma Vasek. Who are you and what's with Rick Bennett? I'm with the Chicago Star. My name is Randy Stone. I met Rick tonight. He said he was looking for you. I was lucky enough to find you. Oh, P's never that lucky. He said that guy is crazy. He's been following me from one city to another for three years. Never catching me, but always following. You know him? Yeah, we grew up in the same neighborhood. He fell in love with me when he was five years old. I was four. <laughs> A laugh, I don't blame you. No, I fell in love when I was three. I did all my dating with Rick until I was 17. Then I went for another guy. Alfred Dimitri, his name was. One day, Dimitri ran his car into a tree. I was in it, and my head went right through the windshield. That was the last I saw of Dimitri. But Rick stuck by me. I was months recovering. He never did see Honest, you will. You'll be okay. I won't. I won't look at me. I look like an old witch. One side of my face slashed open with an ugly scar. It doesn't make any difference. People love you for what you are. Love me? People won't even look at me. Oh, Ricky, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I might as well kill myself. Oh, shh. Don't, don't say that, Selma. I meant it when I said it. It won't make any difference to me. 
I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. I'll always take care of you. I love you like nobody else could. Oh, Rick. Rick, please be nice to me. Please, please. Oh, don't worry anymore about that scar, Selma. If it's the last thing I do in this world, I'll fix it. I promise you. Because as far as I can see, the scar's completely removed from your face. Oh, there isn't a trace of it left. Look at me. I'm supposed to be a beautiful girl. You are? Don't make fun of me. You know how I lost the scar? Ricky worked like he never worked in his life. For 16 months, he sweated over his first important oil painting to enter into a competition. He was poor and hungry and couldn't even buy enough oils. And he won the competition, 5,000 bucks... And that was the money that fixed your face? It took every cent. It was quite a sacrifice. Rick never had another success. He just went on struggling and struggling, and I couldn't stand it anymore. Couldn't stand watching him suffer or never having anything for yourself? Why lie? It was mostly not having anything myself. Guys were beginning to look at me in that sweet way all over town, and all of a sudden I knew how to get money. Get up on the stage, behind the lights, become a rich, famous star. So I threw Rick over and left town. He's been chasing me ever since. You wouldn't consider going back to him? Go back to him, me? What have I got to bring him now? I'm not the same girl he was in love with. I haven't got the scar on my face anymore. I've got it inside. I'm another person. And the names for it aren't very much. When he sees what I've turned out to be, I think he might want to kill me. You really think that, Selma? Yeah, that's what I think. Selma, would you rather I didn't tell Rick where you are? I'll pray for you every night if you don't tell him. All right, it's your life. I took it slow and thoughtful back to the Hofbrau. Rick was strange and Selma was strange and the whole world seemed tortured at the moment. I guess I should never have poked into their lives, but I couldn't escape the feeling that there was something about Rick Bennett that bore looking into. At the Hofbrau, they said he went home to his rooming house. I went there. Oh, Stone, the newspaper bug. What are you doing here? May I come in? Sure. Want another portrait? No. I think you know why I'm here, Bennett. Yeah, I don't suppose you had any luck. As a matter of fact, I did. I found her, just like that. You found Selma? Selma, you found her? Well, where is she? Come on. Well, come on, where is she? I can't tell you. Can't tell me after I've been looking for months and months for her? Well, come on, spit it out, will you? Don't waste time. If you'll sit down and be quiet, I'll tell you about it. You tell me about it right now, or I'll tear you inside out. This is going to get you nowhere. Talk. Talk! I'll break every bone you have. Now, you want to get up and talk sense now? All right. Don't tell me. I never needed anybody before. I don't need anybody now. All right. Don't tell me. I'll find her myself. When I do, she'll wish she never saw me. Put down that knife, Bennett. Yeah? You come within a foot of me, reporter. You'll be sliced in half now. Get away from that dog. Go on, move! He ran out of the room, the knife still in his hand, and his face a picture of twisted madness. And as he closed the door for the first time, I noticed the room was filled with dozens of pictures of Selma Vasek. 
And every one of them had a long, jagged scar painted on the face. I realized at last what I didn't want to. Rick Bennett was the slasher. NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. The Duffy's Tavern. The welcome ad is out at Duffy's, and your host will be the ungrammatical Archie, played by Ed Gardner. As usual, Duffy won't be there, but he'll be represented by his charming daughter, Miss Duffy. Clifton Finnegan and Eddie the Waiter also will be on hand to join in the mischief with Archie. It's top Friday evening listening later tonight with Duffy's Tavern over most of these NBC stations. And a reminder... This Sunday on NBC, it's The Big Show, an hour and a half of the best in comedy, music, and drama. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. As I stood in Rick Bennett's miserable room looking at the scarred picture of Selma Vasek everywhere, my first fear that he was going to run right out and find her disappeared after a little thought. Rick Bennett had no way of knowing where I'd interviewed her. I didn't think he should be running around the streets with a knife in his hand, so I called the police. Central Division, Sergeant Friends. Sergeant, my name is Randy Stone. I'm with the Chicago Star. Uh-huh. Uh, can you take something down? Uh-huh. Height, about 5'11". Weight, about 170. Late 20s. Hair, black. Eyes, gray, I think. The last seen wearing a dark blue suit, no hat, no gloves. His name is Richard Bennett. He's the slasher. He's the slasher. I just tangled with him, and he was carrying a knife. Also, I ran into him two blocks from where a woman was slashed tonight. And also, I've talked with him long enough to think that he thinks he's got a good reason for slashing people. Uh, who'd you say this was? Randy Stone, Chicago Star. You sober? Yes. Where does this Bennett guy live? Well, he used to live from where I'm calling from now, but I don't think he'll be back here. Okay, Stone, thanks for the tip-off. We'll get an all-points out on him right away. Shouldn't be hard to pick him up. After that, I jumped into my car and headed for the Blue Marlin to have another interview with Honey Kane, alias Selma Vasek. The neons were out when I got there, but a grisly old man with a red face was mopping the floor. Everybody's gone home, mister. Open game five tomorrow afternoon. Come back then. Really be twirling, then. Look, Pop, I'm trying to get a hold of one of the girls in the show. Who isn't? And who you calling Pop? All right, all right. I, uh... Now, if I could land something better than mopping floors, I'd want to get a hold of one of them myself. Oh, please. Look, her name is Honey Kane. Do you know her? Sure. I do it up in my tails and haul out my Cadillac and take her out champagne drinking every night. Go on, Peter. I got my mopping to do. Where can I find out where she lives? I've got to get in touch with her. Hi, Julius. He knows those things. Julius? His stage manager. Real short, yellow-livered guy. He don't let me stand in the wings and watch the last show. Wouldn't hurt him nothing doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can I find him? In the hobnob across the street. Being a big shot. I found Julius across the street being a big shot. It was intermission for the little orchestra that was playing there, and he was standing behind the vibraharp playing lost chords. A bored bartender and a drunk passed out in an empty booth were his audience. Nobody looked up when I came in, most of all Julius, but he did answer me. 
Yeah, I'm Julius. I just came from the Blue Marlin. The janitor there said you could help me. Yeah? He's a dirty old man. I'm trying to locate one of the girls in your show. A lot of people are, brother. Now, why don't you... I went all through that with the janitor. I don't want to go through it with you. Now, my name is Stone. I'm a reporter. I'm on a story. I want to talk to Honey Kane. Do you have her address? Yeah, Mr. Reporter on a story. I got her address. But I ain't handed it out to you. You talk too smart. You move too quick. And you're sort of a jerk. I just don't like you. And I don't like you, mister. Well, I want that address and I'm going to get it. How I get it's up to you. Wait a minute. I Tell can't... me where Honey Kane lives and make it fast. All right, all right. Let go of me. Got a book. Keep it on me all the time. Always... I always know what you guys who go prancing around for dames want to know. Come on, get it out. I don't need to. I remember hers. Yeah? 1312 Commodore, apartment 16C. Honey never gave me no tumble. You guys must be doing some good, huh? She'll get around to me before What guys? You're the second one been around here asking for Honey tonight. Who else was asking? A wise guy just like you. Came in 15 minutes ago. He talked smart, too, and was sort of a jerk. But he wasn't with no newspaper. His name was Bennett. Rick Bennett. Where's the phone? When Rick Bennett had run from his room with a knife in his hand, I didn't think he had any way of locating Selma Vasek, but I'd underestimated his ability to trace my steps. Maybe it was because he'd been looking for her such a long time he knew the ins and outs. Anyhow, he was on the right track and she was in danger. I phoned back to Central Division and told him the whole setup, and then I went over to the address Julius gave me. Her room was in the back on the third floor. Two uniformed policemen were already there inspecting the ripped bedspread and the slashed furniture. Selma was nowhere in sight. Oh, I'm Sergeant Knight. You're the guy who phoned in about this? Yeah, that's right. If he's on foot, he ought to be somewhere around the neighborhood. Now, what do you figure? Came up here, took her with him, maybe. I don't know. You can never tell what this kind will do until they do it. We need a description on her. Can you fill it in? Well, about 5'4", uh, dyed blonde hair... 100 pounds, 25, maybe. Anything else? Yeah, she might be wearing a slash like all her pictures. Where can I get those? Rick Bennett's rooming house. Uh, here's the address. Charlie. Uh, yeah, Tom. You better hop to this address and pick up some pictures of the girl. And get out a pickup on her as soon as you have a good description. Right. See you. Okay, Stone. Thanks. We'll give you a buzz when we pick him up. Or her up, or something. You'll want the story. Yes, I'll want the story, Sergeant. <laughs> I suppose I wanted the story. I, I don't know how I felt. Maybe I was seeing things like Slasher found. Art student revenges himself on prodigal sweetheart. It wasn't a story for the papers. It was a case history for a psychologist. Something that had come under chromatic shock and the byproduct of sadism. It was 4.30 in the morning and I didn't like the story or the night of the people. So I went home to my own apartment to get away from everything. I didn't know where else to go. I didn't get away from anything. It was Selma Vasek, without makeup, without coat, and without hope. She looked pretty well shaken. How did you get in here? I called the paper and told him I had a story for you. They gave me your address. Then I woke the manager and told him I was your sister. Sister, huh? That's a good one. Yeah, I know I don't look like anybody's sister. But I had to come somewhere. Why did you tell Rick where I was? I didn't tell him. I don't know how he found out. I was just coming up the stairs to my place when I saw him on the landing. I turned around and came here. Let me stay here for a while, then I'll go away. He's out looking for you. And I'm scared of him. I'm scared to death. Well, you ought to be scared. Right down to your double-dealing roots, you ought to be scared. 
The boy loved you once with everything he had and every way he could. Look what you made him. Look what you did to him. I know it. I know it. Yeah, all because of you. He was probably a nice kid once with nice, normal, warm feelings. Now they might have to shoot him down before they bring him in. If they get him without that, he'll have to be trotted off to the state institution to see if they can pin him back together again. What did you come here for? I... I came here because you're the only man... The only man who's ever talked nice to me since Riggs. I guess I'd better go. No, stay, stay. I'll phone the police and tell them you're safe. You can't go out now. There's a chance you'd run into him before they pick him up. I... Thanks, Mr. Thanks. Sure. You want a drink? No, thanks. Well, I do. Don't! Don't! It's Ricky. Come in! Look, there's a phone. There's a phone in the next room. Dial O. Talk low. Tell the police. He'll kill me. Stay in that room. Lock the door. Keep quiet. Go on. All right, I'll do it. All right, just a minute. Oh, hello, Rick. Well, you've had a big night. Where is she, Stone? Where's Summer? I thought you went out looking for her. I did, and believe it or not, I found out where she works and where she lives, but she isn't at any of those places. Oh, that's too bad. Now have a drink. Listen to me, wise guy. You phoned her or warned her that I was after her, and you know where she's hiding. Now, tell me. Tell me where she is, Stoner, or I'll carve you up. The same knife I'd seen him grab from the table in his room was still in his hand. This time it looked about three feet long and several shades shinier. He held it waist level, cupped in his right hand, and he walked toward me. I didn't know whether to take a chance and try to get at him or stand my ground and try to argue him out of it. Either way, he was a madman. He had a knife, and he looked like he was going to use it. Ricky, stop it. What? Selma. Selma. I'm the one you want, not Mr. Stone. He's never done anything to you. I'm the one who's hurt you. Selma, use your head. You shut up, Stone. She's right. Come here, Selma. You've changed. Your eyes are tired. You're different. Yeah, You're different. Yeah, I'm different. But you're still you. I used to love you, Selma. Now I hate the sight of your pretty face. Pretty face. Pretty face? Do you call this pretty? Yeah. It's still pretty enough. Stop it, both of you. Let him go, Mr. Stone. I deserve it. Well, Ricky? Yeah. You deserve it, Selma. And you... Well, go ahead, Ricky. There's nothing in here. I can't, Selma. I can't do it. I've looked for you all this time. I've wanted you so much. And hated you so much for the thing you did to me. I can't. can't, Selma. I still love you. Well, that did it. I've run into some weird ones in my time, but this was the topper. I put in a call to police headquarters. The same people answered. Central Division, Sergeant Francis. Sergeant, Randy Stone again. Uh-huh. I got your boy for you. He's in my apartment. The address you is... We're drunk. What? Hey, what is this? We picked up the slasher a half hour ago. And brother, your description. <laughs> He's blonde, short, wore a light suit and drove a tan convertible. Sleep it off, Stone. But I tell you, I got him right here. He almost, almost. slashed... Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We... We caught our guy doing a job. But... Sleep it off, Stone. Good night.
that's how mistakes almost happen. But that isn't all. A psychiatrist examined Rick Bennett. He prescribed love, affection, honesty, and rest. He said it might take a long time. And Selma Vasek said she didn't have anything to do for the next 50 or 60 years. So the last I saw the two of them, they were looking around for a preacher. Me? I looked around for a moral. I hate to say it, but I can't think of anything else. A definition of love. Love is so close to hate, and hate is so close to love that if you find yourself hating someone you love, you're liable to love someone you hate. That makes sense? Love never does, people. Copy boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced, edited, and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's story was written by E. Jack Newman and John Michael Hayes, with music by Frank Worth. The part of Rick Bennett was played by Jeff Corey. Selma was Joan Banks. Others in tonight's cast were Sid Miller, Nestor Piva, Jerry Hausner, and Lou Krugman. Frank Lovejoy can currently be seen in the Warner Brothers picture Breakthrough, co-starring with David Bryan and John Agar. Night Beat came to you from Hollywood. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Frank Lovejoy. Uh, tonight ends our present cycle of Night Beat. In the very near future, we're hoping to be back on the air with a new series. Would you watch your local paper for the time and date? And meanwhile, if you've enjoyed our stories as much as we've enjoyed bringing them to you, perhaps we'll hear from you. Until then, good night. Mitchell on another dangerous assignment tonight on NBC. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surfer series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. So much to say about this episode. I'll start with the uh, ending jingle. I love that. That was just so uh, fun and peppy in that really unique 50s way. I, I That was just a, a pleasure to listen to. And uh, just the overall, this was a great story with some really good twists. My favorite scene in this is right after Randy had uh, chewed woman out and explained how all this was her fault and asked why she had come. And she said it was because he had been the first man in a long time to talk nice to her. And it was just a stunning moment. And it brings home just a tendency that we can have sometimes to beat up the wrong people. Because there are people who know that they have uh, done something horrible and feel the real weight of guilt of that whole situation. 
and don't really need you to tell them how horrible they are. But still, even though he made a mistake, or two in this uh, episode, you still see Randy's goodness and decency shining through the whole episode. Of course, the ending is one that has some problems for modern listeners, but this was back in 1950, and at least they consulted a psychiatrist. I also have to say that uh, the, the way that this happened, you know, last week they announced they were moving to a new night, and then this week they say, okay, well, we're done. We're moving to a new night for one episode and then canceling everything. And it makes me wonder how much they knew because when you get into this period of the uh, golden age of radio, there was a lot of instability, as networks really made decisions on the fly. It's nothing like today where so much is known for months in advance and planned very carefully out. Of course, we have heard these sort of appeals before, particularly on NBC programs, uh, such as their run of The Amazing Mr. Malone and The Big Guy, uh, essentially saying it's up to you listeners to send in your comments in order to save the program. In the cases of those programs, they never came back on the air. But Nightbait did, which I think is a testament to how good this show was. If this has been all we got, it would be a really big mistake. Because it showed, in these 40 episodes, such a great promise. Not only with the solid performance by Frank Lovejoy, but really taking some of the best character actors that were working in Hollywood on radio and giving them scripts they could really sink their teeth into and uh, performances that they could just uh, shine in. And there would be a return for Nightbeat. So the first one would be a bit short term, and we'll talk about that next week. But now, listener comments and feedback. And Michael writes over on Facebook, Keep the current theme song. I have become used to it. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your comment on the theme song issue, Michael. And uh, that will actually do it for today. If you do have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>